0: Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds live from the Fight Pass Studios in Southern California. It's ex- Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass, along with Ray-, Ray Ray Longo and Dean Thomas. Here's your host, TJ Desantis. Extra Rounds.
1: You know, I promised that I was going to have That's the voice guy say dumb. your name. What? 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 What are you saying?
2: That's some bullshit. How was I not in that opener?
1: So let me tell you, the voice guy was going to lay down some work, but he got strep throat. So I don't yeah, have tell it. Yet. Him,
2: he's gonna have. He's gonna have no throat. Too, right, but, okay? but
1: I mean, here's the problem, Pearl. If if I had him do it the way it was now, you were just gonna yell at me because it, it wouldn't have sound good. It would have been like, "Here's your host, TJ Desantis and Pearl Gonzalez." It wouldn't have been good. You would have been mad. So you know, I'm, I'm doing there right was by like, you.
2: No, no video of me right there. I tell know, him he's well, getting one of these. Okay, a knuckle sandwich.
1: All right, and no, you man. might be too. No, that I'm gonna see you in like less than a week. I don't want. I know. I don't want a knuckle sandwich.
2: I might
1: be surprising you with a knuckle sandwich uh, next week. I I, I mean, I do like the cuisine in Las Vegas, but I don't want to have a knuckle sandwich at all. During international fight week,
2: you're gonna have one. You might have one for dessert next week.
1: Okay, let's. we we'll, we'll, I'll. I'll figure out how to get out of that one way <laughs> or another. Uh, she is Pro Gonzalez. Jeez. I am TJ Desantis. This is Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. Getting ready uh, for UFC 266 next week. Uh, but this weekend we got uh, a fun little fight night headed your way. In our main event, a pair of light heavyweights will take the octagon with the number six ranked Anthony Lionheart Smith. Takes on Ryan Span. You know, looking at the man known as Lionheart, he Anthony Smith has proven that nickname time and time again. I, I don't want to say that he's a legend of the octagon because that almost sounds like we're talking about his career being over. He's still very much a, a factor here in this two hundred and five pound division. But I, I do gotta believe that the time mm. pearl for Anthony Smith is very much now. You know, having that, mm-hmm. that loss uh, against Glover Teixeira, where he definitely showed that lion heart, went a, a lot longer than most people would uh, in that fight. Um, he he does need Sorry. to continue his rise back up the the ranks. And, you know, so far so good. He's, he's gotten back in the win column. But, you know, like I said, this is a sport where you have to make every opportunity count. And for Anthony Smith, he can't really afford to have any losses in the next couple of years if he wants to march as well way back to a title fight
2: yeah absolutely i mean he well let's just talk about right now and right now he's he's the main event he's got a big fight ahead of him i I believe these gentlemen are are kind of very similar in styles and body frames so it's a tough fight in front of him. um so he's got to go out there and just just show that that lion heart that you know the savagery that we're watching right now and and just make the most out of this moment main event big big fight right before international fight week I mean it's a big moment for him and and he can shine he really can this weekend
1: yeah, we'll see what he can do. You know, we talk about that that Lionheart moniker. Obviously, he's shown his metal and, and durability inside the cage, uh, you know, weathering storms. But also, this is a, a game that is 100% mental. And, uh, you know, that's that's the thing that I think Anthony Smith has, has proven, too, that, you know, mentally he's not rattled. You know, to come back and, and get yeah. a win after the Glover Teixeira loss, I mean, there are a lot of people that I think would have had to take a lot longer uh, of, uh, of a time away from the Octagon Uh, than Anthony Smith did. And, and, you know, that's something that I think... You know, Ray has talked about this in the past. He really respects fighters that go through adversity and bounce back and continue to be great. That's really what champions uh, are made of. And for Anthony Smith, you know, he's shown that, you know, he he can be turned away in the past and come back and and be every bit as good as he was prior to those defeats.
2: Absolutely. And it is. It's it's devastating. You know, I almost view a fight with with an opponent, it's like a relationship. I mean, you go to bed thinking about this person, you wake up thinking about this person, your camp, your days are are kind of like uh, gravitated around this person, whether you're training for them or training for yourself, they're still in the back of your head. And so when you have these moments where you get to share, you have these opportunities and blessings where you get to share these minutes inside of an octagon in front of the world, you know, it's just this amazing experience. And then it's over and then it's like, Oh my God, I'm like heartbroken. Where'd that relationship go? And so you're right. It it can be devastating to to lose and, and, you know, against someone like that on his rise back and, and have to bounce back and it takes all of your will as an athlete to, to come back after a big failure like that. And continue to put your pieces together and look for the positives instead of focusing on the negatives or dwelling on the past. So absolutely, 100%, he has, you know shown his perseverance and, and you know, that champion, that lion heart that he has.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing too. He needs to have that lion heart because Ryan Spann, is going to come after him like it's a championship title fight for him. Ryan Spann is a guy that has, you know, picked up some big wins. He's got a win over over yeah. Little Nog, you know, so he's been in there with, with guys that are fide legends himself. Um, but, you know, this win, if he gets it over Anthony Smith, will say a lot about Ryan Spann and where he fits in the hierarchy at 205 pounds. This is a division that has been lorded over for a very long time, you know, by John Jones. And, you know, now we, we have this new era of, of 205-pound fighters, and you can guarantee that Ryan Spann believes that he belongs in the upper echelon of that division, and the only way he can prove it is by beating guys and, and beating, you know, number 6-ranked Anthony Smith would say a lot about uh, his credentials. You say that he reminds you a bit of Anthony Smith and in, in his style. Is that, is that what you're saying? You feel like they're they're similarly skilled in, in their, their movesets? Yes. Sets?
2: in a sense i think i honestly believe that span has a little bit of athletic advantage look at his body look at his movements he's he's a little more explosive i feel like anthony's a very like patient style fighter you know he doesn't need to bring a high pace now don't get me wrong when it's kill mode and it's time to to put the kill in he's he does that we've seen him do that numerous times but I do think that he's more, he likes more of that lower pace. And he's just, he's a, he's a more composed, calm fighter. Right. I believe that Ryan Span is also very calm, composed, but he has more athleticism, a little bit more pep in his step, if you will. He's got a lot more footwork and in and out work and he's explosive. And look at how great he did against Nogueira on the ground. I mean, he looked really good yeah. in the grappling area. Elbows were vicious, ground and pound looked great. So yeah, I mean, I do. I think that they're they're similar in the sense that they're both, both very well rounded. Look, he made such a great decision there instead of staying in and letting Nogueira get on his leg pulled out. I mean, he's got a great IQ as well. Yeah. Um, and I I think that he does have the advantage in the the athletic department.
1: And, and that's the thing that you know, it's one thing to have the athleticism on your side and to be the better athlete, but if you do not fight wise it doesn't really matter who the better athlete is. And you point that out with with Noguera. Like, I know that uh, Minotauro a bit past his prime, you know, in that fight, but if you make a mistake mentally, he'll end your night. He'll rip off a limb, and, you know, you're going to have to go have surgery. Uh, That was not the case when when Span fought him, Um, and that shows again, that that fight IQ, which you know, he's going to have to have against someone like Anthony Smith, who just doesn't go away over the course of 25 minutes. You really have to beat him uh, if you're going to uh, you know, walk away with your your hand raised. So uh, you know, m- my question when I look at Span, I agree with you. I think that he does have the athletic skill uh, on on his side. I think that he might be a little bit faster, a little bit stronger than Anthony Smith. But the question is, can he put it all together? But when you do look, you know, at the skill for skill sort of you know mentality and, and breakdown of this fight, I kind of lean towards span now span is a a bit of the the betting underdog it's pretty close um it looks like he probably will close as the underdog but when you look at how these guys match up with one another i guess i'm i'm curious pearl should span maybe be the betting favorite should people like him a bit more than anthony smith who does definitely have the experience advantage though
2: you know it's hard it's hard to to say that when you have someone like anthony smith who has Fifty fights. I mean, let yes, he has the edge in athleticism, but Smith has this. I wouldn't say huge, but he has an advantage in the 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 experience department. Right. I mean, he's got almost fifty fights. This guy yeah. has seen ever. There's nothing that he hasn't seen in a fight. I mean, he has
1: more um, wins than Ryan Span has fights. I mean, right. that says something.
2: Right. Exactly. So I, I can see why Anthony. Smith is the favorite due to that that reason. Although I do believe, I, like I said, I believe that Span does have this Atlanta, athletic advantage, um, and and maybe he he's had, he's he's taken on less damage. You know, less wars, less. There's been less miles put on his on his horse, so to speak. Is that a right way to say that? I mean, I,
1: I guess maybe uh, maybe oh, odometer. God. You know, less miles oh on God. the odometer if we're going to like make it there be a go. vehicle. But I don't I don't know. Odometer. Yeah.
2: But I mean. Smith, that's that's the nice thing about having those miles is you have the experience, you have the knowledge, you've been through this. You, it's not there's nothing really new that's going to come in side that octagon that that Anthony hasn't seen. So uh, them being kind of equal, I, I can see that. Yeah, they both have some advantages that kind of level each other up.
1: It's a fun main event, and uh, it's a card that I feel... I, I just feel bad for these fighters that are on these cards before the next super event, you know, just seven days later. We got UFC 266, which is going to be crazy. It's International Fight Week. So many good fights uh, on that card. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Anthony Smith and, and Ryan Spann, you know, go one week before that that major uh, event, but it's going to be up to them to sort of, you know, launch International Fight Week uh, off on the right foot. And, and momentum is is something that uh, can carry over from event to event. And I guarantee you, Anthony Smith and, and Ryan's fan would love to, uh, take away some of that shine or at least get people more amped up and excited, uh, for two sixty six by putting on a show, uh, coming up this Saturday night. Let's take a look at your co-main event. We stick in the light heavyweight division. When Ion on takes on Devin Clark, uh, Kutalaba is, is such an intense individual. Oh my and, gosh, yes. uh, Bruce Buffer is not on the, uh, ring announcing duties uh, on Saturday night. So it's going to be Joe Martinez, who might have to interject himself because Bruce likes to be the man in the middle when Kutalaba the, walks across the octagon and gets in the uh, uh, face of his opponent. We can remember what he did with, with Ankolaev which you know I, I thought we were going to have uh, just a, a fight before the fight. Um, but we'll, we'll see how Kutalaba approaches uh, this fight uh, against Clark, and we'll see how, uh, you know, Joe Martinez, uh, plays as the <laughs> moderator. Cause again, a scary situation, uh, to be in when you look at, uh, Ion Kutalaba Pearl. Right. Like, he, he's a guy that it's not necessarily just for show that he's that intense. I think he is sort of that Diaz brother type of guy where he, he wants to get to the level where he, um, not, not necessarily hates you, but like is obsessed with beating you. Like, you're the only thing that he thinks about. Uh, sometimes that's good for, for athletes, other times it's not. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the way that Kutalaba utilizes it because I don't think he goes too far because, like, he didn't throw that punch against Uncle Live when they went face to face before mm-hmm. the fight. But it definitely rides that line of like things can get pretty crazy and out of hand maybe quicker than they should.
2: Oh my gosh. Um, Kutalaba is is just one of those fighters that brings chaos inside before during like his the the pace the intense I can only imagine what the energy is like around the cage I'm sure that it you can feel it everywhere how intense he is you're right he is he's intense I think he needs that though he needs that to bring that he likes a high pace he likes to be in your face he likes to smother you And, and he needs that intensity, like, and and like you said, you know, he needs, he needs that drama in between to, to ignite that intensity. I mean, look at his, just look at the way he hits you everything he's coming to hurt you and go through you. He's not, this isn't a sport to him. This is barbaric. Like he's here to like, take your soul. Oh man. Look at that. that. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, Those elbows are from like, oh my
1: God. I like the way you say that. Like, because he is kind of there to take your soul. He's there to collect something more than just a win. Like, he wants to honestly, like, steal a part of your your being. And how can you not love watching a guy like that compete?
2: Oh my goodness. Talk about, yes. Talk about like channeling that energy. But, and it works for him most of the time. However, when you fight that emotional, especially if you, you can fight someone that can withstand that storm, that can stay composed and under that chaos and stay grounded in that chaos, then you have a problem because they can still make really good, just intelligent decisions, stay calm under that chaos, and, and there's only so much energy you have. So the the emotional, yes, it can... What's the word? It can like wither people. Uh, wear? It like can
1: wither. wear on somebody. Wear,
2: wear, yes. It can wear. It's very like um, wearing. It's not the word I'm looking for, but we'll use it for now. It can wear on a fighter, and that alone, that intensity, that energy alone, can cause some fighters to hesitate, can cause some fighters to kind of just be more defensive than offensive, right. and it can really, it can really play against them and and, and help with not intimidating cuz that's not the word but it's like oh i'm so um it's not like tentative?
1: Like, tentative like he tentative like you just makes a fighter like not
2: discouraging right,
1: discouraging okay. very yeah.
2: discouraging to like cuz you're like holy shit I need, if i do anything this guy's coming with all this experience some right. some fighters can don't do well with that chaos right. you know right
1: i mean um, kutilaba's going to try to fight you as his name is being you know, introduced in the octagon like that. That's definitely like, okay, like I got to protect myself at all times before the fight even starts.
2: Absolutely. So you're on edge. Think about that energy that's being spent there where you're on guard, you're on defense. The fight hasn't even started. They haven't even called your name yet. Right. And you're on edge. Your eyes are wide open. You're not sure what you're unsure what's happening. So like that's wearing very wearing on someone. So that in that sense, yes, that energy, the emotions that Kutalaba brings that For that particular reason, it's amazing. However, if you have an opponent that is very aware of this energy, very, very aware of how to deal. Like here, Khalil just is having a hard time dealing with the pace here, that intensity. And we know him as a very intense fighter. I believe that that's why you've seen him come out much more intense. It was probably due to this fight. He learned that. He learned how important intensity can be and how uh, – you know, discouraging, deteriorating that it it can cause an opponent. But if you have someone that can deal with this with this energy, that can can meet your energy level, can meet your pace, can meet that emotional place, but have a problem. And that's where the emotion that emotional part can be a problem and can right. get in his way. Because he's so focused on bringing intensity, he's not really making very intelligent decisions. So it can go either way. We will find out. How well Devin Clark can deal with this hurricane because there's a hurricane
1: coming on Saturday night. It's true, it's a hurricane that's going to try to steal your soul, and uh, the hurricane is Ion <laughs> Kutalaba. Uh, but let's, let's talk about Devin Clark because uh, you know he's he's coming off a tough loss to uh, Anthony Smith. You know that would have been a huge win for him, so obviously disappointed, but he has a, an opportunity uh, to get a big win in this co-main event. Um, he's you know not uh, a stranger to getting his hand raised inside the octagon um he's uh, got wins over daquan townsend uh, and in alonzo menifield d- did come up short to uh, ryan span so he's lost to both of the uh, athletes in our main event on saturday night um you know how does he weather that sort of intensity storm from kutalaba because it's going to start at the weigh-ins, Kutalaba is going to get in his face and 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 be that sort of uh, aggressive, uh, you know, fighter. Just in his posture alone, you know, Clark obviously is is not a stranger to fighting people in the octagon at the highest level under the bright lights. But uh, does he have to do anything different, just mentally, to prepare for Kutalaba and the, and the gamesmanship that he brings uh, to the octagon?
2: Absolutely. I think that the the chaos has already started. If you've heard any of Kutilabas Kutilabras, did I say that right? Kutalaba. Kutalaba, Kutalaba, yes. Yeah, Kutilabas interviews, he's already very intense in how bad he wants to, to win this fight and so I think that it's already kind of started that that the chaotic energy and yes, Devin Clark has to be very, very prepared for it cuz that is a tool in Kutilabras toolbox. So, being that, though, Devin Clark has great wrestling. Um, we saw that his grappling is awesome. He seems very calm and composed. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is is in, in those opening fire moments, when Kutulabra is coming, he has to stay very composed. And this is when it's most important for him to really utilize his, his wrestling, his, his, his grappling, and and set up iron for those because the way that you can deal with a fighter like that that is so emotional and so intense, if you hit Kutalabra one time, he's coming for your head. He right. wants to repay you. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a way to almost ignite that fire is by getting landing a couple good shots. Being aware as soon as I land this shot, this dude's coming and he's coming for my head so I have to be prepared for my takedown. So I think that, and, and, and Kutalabra is a great grappler as well. So I do believe that in the co-main event, we are going to see a lot of grappling and, and we will see who can time the shots better, who can, um, kind of, and who can handle the chaotic, the chaotic storm that will be, that will be had.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I, uh, I'm just excited to see the, the next sort of chapter unfold for Ion for Kutalaba because it's just, it's madness. It's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say like we're going to nickname him the hurricane that will steal your soul, but it, it is pretty pretty uh, <laughs> accurate to uh, a description. And if you don't uh, know what we're talking about, uh, please go do yourself a favor and head over to UFCFightPass.com and uh, watch the archive of uh, some of Ion uh, Kutalaba's best moments inside the octagon because uh they're fun and it's also more affordable than ever i thought this was a misprint when the fight pass team sent this over but check it out fight pass sign up today it's a dollar one dollar wow like That's what amazing. what can you buy for a dollar nothing
2: no
1: like i'm serious like what, what can what's... you
2: get uh anything off the anymore
1: uh, you, you're you definitely is there a
2: dollar menu anymore?
1: I, I don't. I think it's like the two dollar menu at this point.
2: Damn! Is this the two dollar menu now? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah,
1: I wish that we could buy a better See? connection to your Skype for a dollar, but I think it would cost a lot more dollars than what we're working <laughs> with.
2: I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm I'm not on my hotspot this time. So. Really?
1: Well, I think your I think your hotspot was better than the Wi-Fi. For whatever reason. That's no okay. way. Are you serious? It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll work through it. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. okay. Uh, okay. Supposed to be joined by John Morgan. Um, he's uh, out east for the CFFC, which, by the way, you can watch tomorrow for a dollar because that's all Fight Pass Amazing. will cost you. Um, not to mention you can get access to all of our shows, like 90 episodes close to it uh, of extra rounds. Um, so, Make sure you do that and uh, just dive into the biggest archive in combat sports. Uh, A lot of events coming up as well. Uh, RJJ Boxing. um, If you like jiu-jitsu, we've got uh, Medusa debuting uh, at the beginning of uh, October and then Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. You can also go on to uh, Fight Pass and check out Pearl Gonzalez breaking this lady's arm in Combat Jiu-Jitsu in Monterey, Mexico. (laughs) You know, I see that video on Facebook all the time. And I swear it's a conspiracy, Pearl, because I, 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 can't help but watch. And every time I watch, I'm like, oh, I I didn't need to see that again. But I watch.
2: Like, why didn't she tap? Just tap. Don't you think that? Yeah. That's what I think when I see that video is like, just tap, just tap.
1: And like, what are you going to do? I'm going
2: to break it. Just tap.
1: Right. It's break like- it.
2: You break it. If they don't tap, you keep going. You push it further until it until they tap.
1: Spoiler alert: she broke it. <laughs> and it's hard to watch, but yeah, no, go over there oh and my uh, God. check it out. What? What?
2: I got, I got some excited I was um I was training. Uh, I, I actually just got back from training, but I've been training um all day with Masvidal. We were at uh, over at George Rubio's gym training today, so I had a
1: great the game day bread. Like wow. See, Vegas is already paying off for you. Like just hanging out with Jorge Masvidal.
2: Oh my gosh. And like Steve Aoki's entourage. It's been pretty amazing.
1: Wait, how does Steve Aoki fit in the mix? Uh,
2: I don't know. His entourage has been with us. I actually, they they took us on like a tour. They're showing me what neighborhoods I should be looking to buy a place in. I mean, it's just been a really great trip so far. You
1: you know, uh, Steve Aoki has a song that he did with Bruce Buffer.
2: Yeah, they were just together. Yeah, they, they did. So yeah,
1: Monday Night Football. Uh, Buffer yeah. launched the 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 Vegas Raiders into their season with a a hearty It's time. Buffer's just how so much cool fun. How cool was
2: that? Oh my God! How cool was that to hear that at the NFL? Like, I was so like it like gave me goosebumps. I was in awe. Like, I'm so happy for him. He looks so good up there too, as always. Look at but, you. Yeah, no, it's been a really cool little like week. Have I been here a week now? But I'll be training all week with uh, Masvidal. He's he's um, coming into the gym with my coach, working with my coach as well. So it's been a it's been a fun week.
1: You're like Miss Vegas now at this point,
2: right? Well, yeah. I gotta buy a place here, but yes, I, you're right.
1: Well, I mean, you have a I, oh, you, you have a motorhome, so like wherever that motorhome sits is is home. So like you already live there.
2: <laughs> kind of. I'm, a, I'm taking a break from the RV right now. I just need a little break, maybe a few month break.
1: All right, well, uh, hopefully maybe you can pick me up with the RV. I want to go cruising yeah, down the strip in the yeah. RV. Actually, I, I don't know I if I hit, want to do that.
2: You do, because I can hit U-turns on a regular street in this bad boy. Really? I mean, it might take me a couple of tries, but I can right. do it. I can hit U-turns. I'm very confident in it, my driving. You can hit
1: U-turns RV. while hitting maybe a car or two.
2: <laughs> I only hit, like, one thing so far, so I actually take pride in that because it's it's been... Around the country, almost like we've we've almost done a circle. You've
1: driven more in the last like three weeks than I've driven in a year.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so over
1: it! Yeah, no, (laughs) that's why
2: I haven't drove all week.
1: I understand, I definitely understand. Um, all right, I I don't think we're gonna get John Morgan on, unfortunately. He's been traveling, uh, getting out there to CFFC, which is uh, their 100th event coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, wow. which is... I mean, that that's a, an amazing accomplishment for any promotion.
2: Absolutely.
1: And that's another reason why Fight Pass is so vital uh, and a must-have for any combat sports fan, because... You know, they've really invested into regional mixed martial arts and without the investment Mm -hmm. from Fight Pass, these promotions would not be getting the shine that they deserve. And that's one thing that I love more than anything is, you know, these athletes get to the UFC and they're going to get to the UFC no matter what, like eventually the cream will always rise to the top. But the the accessibility that we have to their journey where We can watch them and, and and see them, you know, become a, a CFFC champion or an LFA champion uh, or, you know, Fury FC. You know, that's been on a lot uh, the last few weeks. Like, there's something about that journey that I just love. And, you know, mixed martial arts is not this sort of secret anymore. Like, we all know that mixed martial arts is one of the most popular, if not the most popular, combat sport in the world but one thing that i miss pearl about mma being this niche thing was i don't have that one little thing that no one else knows about anymore because you know just everyone knows about the ufc but at the same time i love knowing who these people are before they get to the octagon because then i can like show off my my knowledge and be like oh yeah this guy's really good he's got judo throws or this guy you gotta watch out for his left high kick and then sure enough you know, they go out there and shine and, and pull off that stuff. And like people are like, how did you know that? It's like the fight pass.
2: Well, like, it's also really amazing to kind of watch the development right. of an athlete. Right. And kind of watch them on the local scene as they build these skills and they make adjustments and, and they become the more complete fighter. And then they're, and then they're in the UFC. It is an amazing kind of journey that you get to take along with these fighters. And you're right. Like, Fight Pass is so vital for, for local MMA and for building the talent, for building the future of the sport, which has been so awesome. Like, how amazing is the new talent? How much new talent do we have? How new is the sport now for some of these athletes? And, like, they're shining. They're shining so bright. Like, I can't even say his name, Joe Quinn.
1: Quinn. Oh, uh, Joaquin Buckley. <laughs> Joaquin Buckley.
2: Yeah, in that moment, like, oh my God, like, that was crazy. So, like, just moments like that and and watching these fighters grow and and building the talent. This is exactly what is needed for the future of this sport.
1: Yep. You walking Buckley back in action coming up uh, this Saturday night. We saw what he did uh, last year with that. Highlight real knockout of Impa Kasung and I. Um, you know, this is uh, a decade. I mean, seriously, it, it's definitely, uh, look it, look. yeah. I mean, for, for my money, it is knockout of the year, uh, you know, and, and it should be. And, and you know, okay, that's fine. I, I mean, lump it in there. <laughs> yes. You might even be able to do two decades because it is something oh that God. is, uh, you know, once, once in a lifetime sort of knockout for, for, for him. Yes. And, I mean, again, KaSung and I grabbed his leg and Buckley just like spun into it effortlessly. Like that's not something you can really drill in the gym.
2: No, he didn't just spin into this. This is what's so impressive about this. Like he had control of his leg. He had his leg. How much control? Obviously not that much, but the ability to spin, but also jump in the air and throw this kick. Watch. He's here turns his knee over and he's in the air he's right. in the he literally created momentum like off of one foot
1: right Watch. it like defies uh, logic
2: oh my god it's just so and then he like why does he have to fall like that it's like the craziest thing ever
1: oh i mean is, Imp sung and i is uh, like transplanted to a different universe you know like he's he back he, I, he I, he's, I mean, he's he's back now, yeah. I think okay. he came back. But, you know, he, here's the question. Here's the question. You know, for Buckley, he has that, that knockout, an amazing, as you say, knockout of the decade type performance. He gets a win over Jordan Wright. And then it's he himself that gets knocked out uh, in his last mm-hmm. fight against uh, Alessio uh, DiCherico. So, you know, how does Buckley manage coming back from, you know, Having one of the knockouts uh, of the last you know couple of years that people are going to remember to getting knocked out because obviously when he fights Pearl people are going to expect him to put on you know a, a fun show you know potential highlight reel type of stuff but when you are coming off of a, a stoppage loss sometimes that messes with athletes to where they're not as aggressive. How does Buckley sort of manage the pressure to put on a show while also the pressure that he has being maybe more defensive because he was stopped in his last fight?
2: You know, I think it's just one of those, you you can't allow for that to change your style, right? You, yes, you have to learn from the lessons, but he's one of those fighters that it's kill or be killed and he's a very exciting fighter and I don't think playing it safe will do will do any justice for him he has to go out there and take the risk that he's taken and not be be the safe fighter obviously with more knowledge and, and, and a higher fight cue this time than he did have last time learning from whatever he did wrong to be knocked out but you cannot you cannot change your style I mean look at he's he's a kill or be killed style of fighter very intense very aggressive. So maybe when he comes forward, his chin's down a little bit better. He's got a little bit more defense, but you cannot stop the the risk you're t- taking. Looks, You know, the chin's kind of high there. Okay, maybe he stays a little tighter. But, like, with the man with that much power, you you have to go out there and, and just fight your fight. Yeah. Um, and kind of have amnesia. Like, like Kobe said, like Michael Jordan said, you have to have amnesia for moments like that. And be you. Be you. Don't change you. Because when you just change your style – when you start to hesitate, that's when when things start to happen.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting because you think about like having a short memory or amnesia as sort of like negatives in, in sports. Like you want to learn from your mistakes so you don't forget them. But at the same time, like you need to wash out the memory of that you know, feeling of, of defeat because for, for so many athletes, it's a, a positive mindset that you have to have. You have to always be looking forward. And if you get caught looking too far in the past, then it's hard to get away, uh, you know, from those moments. I, I remember, uh, I can't remember who it was. It was some, you know, coach in, in traditional sports where uh, he said, uh, losing can can almost be habit forming. If you find yourself in a funk and you don't get out of the that mindset, mindset like you become more complacent for whatever reason where you're just like okay well i've lost this one well i've lost this one and it's like you can't stand for that you gotta you know process that loss but also just shake it out and and be better than that
2: have amnesia because the time you're spending dwelling is the time you're taking away from learning and growing and and trying new things and experiencing things and i think that even my in my own career i've i've had that where i've allowed for a loss to kind of dictate the next fight or so ahead of me because i was focused on on what i did wrong vices what i fixed fixing this and and all the things i did right and so with with him and someone uh with such an amazing and incredible ability right because we know now how athletic this man is and how incredibly talented he is you cannot you cannot preserve that you have to go out there and utilize that to the best of your ability.
1: Yeah. And, you know, looking at his opponent, uh, Antonio Arroyo, uh, you know, he's he's a very talented fighter who has wins uh, by way of submission and uh, knockout stoppages. And and that's something, too, that, you know, when you, you are fighting at this high level inside the UFC, it's it's. Much less a style versus style matchup these days. When you look at Buckley, like we know that he has dynamic striking, and more often than not, he's going to be able to sort of outclass some of his opponents. But at the same time, like he's got to worry about not only strikes from Arroyo but also submissions and you know I I think Mm -hmm. 10-15 years ago you saw a lot more athletes you know be given not necessarily like easy matchups but at least fights where they were able to break down a game plan and be much more solid with that game plan going into the fight because they were fighting someone that was predominantly more of a striker than a grappler or vice versa and I, I feel like there are a lot of people now where you go in there and you might have a game plan, But you better be ready to shift that narrative and change the pace because these guys are so well-rounded that you can think one thing and, you know, all of a sudden be forced to have a completely different game plan because they're shutting you down or just not fighting the way that you thought they would.
2: Absolutely. The sport is evolving faster than it ever has. I think that the pandemic might have hurt a lot of people, but for our sport, it did. It did it created this this wave that is just – the sport has grown so much. And the fact that, that the UFC has been putting on fights every weekend on top of all of the local right. and regional talent that you have going as well, like it's just evolving faster than ever. And you're seeing these athletes coming in who have 15, 10, 15 years of experience and are like 22 years old. They've been fighting their whole life. Yeah. Now we're at the generation where – They started their training at four years old, at five years old, started wrestling at these ages and knew their whole life. They've been training their whole life for these moments. So the sport is just at a place where it's like, holy smokes, it's evolving faster than it ever has. And we are, we're seeing some of these crazy, insane moments because these fighters, the fighters now are, I I believe, at the highest level that they've ever been. Yeah. You and, know, and, in, in the sport, in the history of it.
1: And that's something, too, that you mentioned these athletes that have been training since they were single digits in age. Like, that's not new from the sense of, like, wrestlers. There are a lot of people from the Midwest have been wrestling since they were five, six years old. But one thing that we haven't seen that we're starting to see more often now are athletes that are mixed martial artists where their focus was MMA from single digits, and that's pretty crazy. I mean, I remember hearing stories about you when you're, like, 11 years old, traveling all around the country to go beat people up. Like, that's crazy. And that yeah. was, that was what, in the 90s? Like, that, who yeah, who was doing that? Who was like doing 90s. that? Pearl Gonzalez was doing that.
2: Uh, I was fortunate to have a coach that was very, he was ahead of the game, and he was. We were already training MMA when, when it wasn't even, it was no holds barred at this time. It was right. called MMA. But you do, you have and even at the time that I was training I was fighting and stuff because I loved it but there there wasn't an outlet for me there wasn't a place to look forward to to go to when I was became you know turned 18 today you have that you know like if I can get good enough I can I can fight for the UFC I can I can fight for these huge organizations and have a career and and you see it and I mean That's the most incredible piece where you have these athletes that have been specifically trained. Everybody wants to fight for the UFC. Right. So now, you know, there's 18. I mean, we've seen, we're seeing 17 year old professionals at this point. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing to see.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the goal, like you said, is to become, you know, the UFC champion and every athlete wants that. And, you know, beyond just becoming the champion, you have the mindset of some of these athletes that want to be not only the, the best in the world in their division, but they want to leave a legacy. They want to fight for something that they can look back on when their career is over and be like, yeah, I was one of the greatest of all time. And. Right. I mean, everybody, you know, that's good in theory, but not everyone can can achieve that. And there are a lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, I feel like we can't go more than two or three weeks without talking about the goat. Right. Like we always talk about who is the greatest of all time for a variety uh, of reasons. And that brings me to something that Dana White actually brought up Um he, he said that it's time to look at Anderson Silva again as one of the greatest of all time to ever do it, not just in mm. MMA, but in combat sports. Yeah. Because Now he's picking up wins in, in boxing. And again, a- Anderson's not going to become a world champion boxer. But he's gone out there and...
2: Or he, is he? Or I, mean,
1: I, I mean, I he's 46 years old. Like, uh, never say never. But I, I don't think that... I mean, I don't even know if he would get the opportunities to march up the rankings. Because, again, who really wants to fight him? Like, boxing is a, a sport where you pick and choose your opponents and, and do so, uh, you know, very carefully. Uh, anybody that has a name with something to risk, I don't know if they want to box Anderson. Because... You know, he, he's relatively new to, to, to boxing. It's I mean, yeah, he has some cachet and name value from the world of mixed martial arts. But if you're an up and coming boxer yourself, like what does it say if you do beat Anderson? Not much. It's not an MMA fight. So it, it might be an unnecessary risk for a lot of uh, boxers that have been protected for most of their career. But the bottom line is we saw Anderson knock out Tito Ortiz. Uh, this man like gets it he's not an MMA fighter that has you know watered down boxing skills he's very much a world-class elite level striker and you know I'm not saying this just because he knocked out Tito Ortiz like that was not uh you know a, a hard fight for Anderson but the way that he handled him with with that style points it just shows you that he is and, and really has been on a completely ah. different level compared to some of his contemporaries
2: absolutely and like you know, Anderson is my one of my all-time favorites. He always has been. He's one of the first UFC fighters that I met as a young athlete um, in Chicago. When, when the UFC first came, the very first time they came to Chicago, um, he was shopping at, like, a sporting goods store, probably, like, Dick's.
1: Uh, of, of course I, <laughs> of, of course we're gonna have to throw that one out there I mean longo's not even here to make it worse and we've already lost you on that uh,
2: but I met him there and I got a picture with him and like his and I bought his book and his book is incredible I still have this book I've had this book for like who knows how many years now 15 10 12 years yeah and he just his movement I mean we saw it in his in his uh in his prime the yeah. movement was like no other I mean you have some fighters today that are coming but back then nobody moved like he did I and now he really
1: I was just going to say sorry to interrupt you but his movement was so good Pearl that I actually think that it was almost to his detriment when he fought Weidman the first time because he was so confident and, and he was fighting someone that was just you know on a different level that night but Anderson took those chances with Weidman because he'd done it so many other times before where people couldn't touch him
2: I mean, you couldn't even see him. By the time you opened your eyes, you were knocked out. I mean, he was just that incredible of an athlete. And now that he's in boxing, boxing is so different from mixed martial arts. And I'm learning this every single day as I continue to train it. But it gives you, it's more of a dance, right? right. Because you really do get to get into a flow of movement and work and, and bob and weave and dance. You don't get that opportunity in MMA because you're getting your head kicked off. Right. You know, you're, you're getting taken down with all this movement. So the ability to really, like, free flow and, and, and just get into your own and your own rhythm and your own movement, is, it, it, the, it's so nice. It's such a luxury and, and a, a beautiful thing to have in boxing, which is the thing that I fall in love with most with boxing. So someone like this who has all of this incredible movement and, and, and range and distance, awareness, um, and then that what's the word like jazz you know like the suave
1: yes like swagger like a like a style yeah
2: thank you yeah his swag you i think he looks so good right now and he looks good not because of just his skills but because of where he is right now his soul is happy he really gets to express himself in this movement and in this rhythm and and he looks great yeah he looks so good i mean And, and he really is
1: he, he he was trying to get a boxing match With with Roy Jones Jr. a decade ago Like he's always been someone Who has had an appreciation for Not just MMA but combat sports as a whole And he's wanted to test himself In boxing and now he, he's doing it And he's doing well One thing that I think is, is sort of crazy Is the way that he fought Tito You know he had his head movement And he was like bending over And you know having his uh, head in a position Where if it was MMA he would get kneed You know badly But he's able yes. to, to understand Like in boxing, that's not a bad habit. That's not a bad thing to do. And I'm just impressed Pearl that he can fight MMA at uh, an incredibly high level and then identify all the things that he can't do in MMA, but can do in boxing. And just default to that mindset because there are so many people that that I've seen local smokers where MMA guys, you know, go into boxing or kickboxing and they get tagged once and they can't help it. They just all of a sudden shoot a double leg because it's in their nature. You know, that's what you do. And it's hard to get out of that mindset when you're so consumed with mixed martial arts. But that's not Anderson Silva. Anderson is uh, elite at, at every sort of rule set that he engages in.
2: Absolutely, and he looks incredible right now. He looks so good. It's a dance. It's a it's a movement for him. Yeah. And, And um, you know, it, it is. It's it's very easy to kind of get your feet stuck in the mud. I think that that's been the biggest transition for me, and the hardest the, the part the hardest part to really like put together is like hands and feet move. They're in sync constantly. And um, you know, I think for like MMA, you do you can get stuck in the mud and start to wrestle and start to grapple. And square off and, and tie up in these clinches and and um and and grappling exchanges and then and then a, a, you break and you go back to the striking and with boxing you don't have that luxury right. at all you don't have the, the the grappling luxury so you have you're forced to use nothing but movement and he has transitioned so well especially at his age especially where and how he left the sport the MMA sport where he was in his career. Career and to see kind of just transition so easily and so well and look so good is is like, it's amazing. It's like you get to see the Spider-Man again, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, she's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. We are live uh, on Facebook and Twitch. And I want to sort of put a question out to uh, the, the audience now and, and kind of pick their brain a little bit because when you look at Anderson and, you know, you sort of assess where he fits, you know, all time there, there's three or four goats in my mind that you can argue are number one. Anderson is one. Uh, George St. Pierre is another. And then the other two would be Khabib Nurmagomedov and John Jones. And there are intangibles that make one over the other. And uh, you know, everyone has a, a different argument for a different uh, athlete, but I'm curious when it comes to the goat conversation t- to our audience, what Anderson is doing now in these exhibition boxing matches does that add to his argument of being the greatest of all time? I, I don't think that it can say like, "Oh, he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time" because he did you know well in boxing. But I do think that it does support him being one of the greatest combat sport athletes uh, of all time. I, I don't know when when you start to you know put. Anderson up there and, and, you know, compare with other athletes that only did boxing, you know, like the the Muhammad Ali's of the world or uh, Mike Tyson, things like that, um, Floyd Mayweather, it's hard to sort of compare apples to oranges, but you know, when we're obsessed with finding out who the best fighter on the planet is, it's hard to deny the fact that Anderson has been successful in multiple combat sports and, and is making an argument. I don't know how much we take away from these performances and and put it on his resume because they're, they're odd fights to say the least. But he's not looking like he's past his prime or looking like he's, you know, making an, an embarrassment of himself. I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and beat a top 10 boxer, but I think he's going to be competitive with anybody that stands in, in front of him.
2: Absolutely. 100%. He's going to be competitive. Whether he wins or loses, he will be competitive. His movement and his, his IQ and then his experience, how, how, you, you can't go against that um the level that he's fought at for so long like it's hard to replicate or duplicate that and uh he'll always have that advantage to to be able to to spar or train or compete against anyone yeah. anyone in the world doesn't matter how good of a boxer they are he will have the ability to compete and and withstand yeah um now will he win i don't know about that but absolutely so you know and it for the goat like man it's like there's so many it's like different eras
1: right yeah i mean that's another thing too because like if you look at you know say like a like a for example frank shamrock he was a fantastic well rounded mixed martial artist but frank was a different generation of fighter like i it's hard to point to frank and say that he's on the same level as anybody today because they're just different time different eras
2: absolutely and and like I feel like it's hard to like compare someone like Anderson to Habib because it's just so different. It's totally right. different eras, different. The sport is different.
1: Yeah, and what's funny um, about that is they fought relatively, you know, at the same time towards the latter part of Anderson's career. But you're one hundred percent right. Like the sport that Anderson, you know, came into uh, in in the late '90s, early two thousands. That's not the sport that Habib came into by any means.
2: Absolutely. So it's like, how do you compare? Why can't they all be goats?
1: They're all goats. It's a goat rodeo.
2: Goat rodeo. Do we have to, like, number them, though? Like, do they have to be numbered?
1: I mean, that's what's funny about the goat. Like, it's the greatest of all time, so I guess they're all number one. You can't be the second greatest of all time, because that wouldn't be the greatest of all time.
2: No, but, like, I don't know. So, like, do you compare by how many wins?
1: No, no. If you're the goat... It means you occupy a space where you're the greatest of all time. Like, I guess maybe you're just tied. You can't be the third greatest of all time. Okay. Because the people in front of you would be the greatest of all time. Uh, Like, I mean, you can't be like, I'm the greatest of all time minus three other people. Well, that, I mean, that's not the goat. That's like, that's like pretty great, but not the goat.
2: So then they're each of them are the greatest of all time in their own universe?
1: I don't know. I mean, this is – now we're going to start, like, debating, like, what happens if, you know, Godzilla <laughs> fought He-Man, you know? Like, it's not a, not a real conversation. Not worth having.
2: Okay. All right. But I put Anderson on the top of my GOAT list. Number one? Yeah.
1: All right. I mean, one he, thing that- he
2: had like such a huge impact in my career. And like, you, you know, I was so young in it and like watching him at that time, he was like just this untouchable athlete and, and was like unseen before. And like, you know, he just always had such a good show. He always put on a good show. And, and you know, it was just, I don't know, he was one of those athletes like you, you never say, he was like a once in a lifetime athlete. You know, and this- I think that he. Go ahead. I think that he, yeah, he's definitely the one that made the most impact.
1: The the thing that I will say about every greatest of all time candidate is they all left a little something on the table. Like Khabib never fought Tony. Um, George never fought Anderson. I mean, I, I would mm-hmm. love to see those two fight one another. Um, John Jones, I mean, if, if you're going to say John isn't the greatest of all time, Um, it's going to be for the way that he's, you know, handled his career outside of the octagon and not because John's, John's the most dominant athlete we've ever seen in MMA. And if you say he's not the greatest of all time, it's because you're pointing to things that have nothing to do really with fighting at the end of the day. And honestly, when you look at sort of the trials and tribulations that John has had outside of the octagon, it almost makes what he did inside of the octagon more impressive. Like, how do you manage chaos and then go out there and still be this this phenom? Um, You know, the world is going to think the way that it wants to. But, you know, the one thing that John has sort of left on the table that, you know, we know, I mean, I believe we're going to be able to find out before his career is over is what does he look like at heavyweight? Because if he goes out there and captures a heavyweight championship in the UFC, then it's going to be even harder for people to deny the fact that he's the greatest of all time. But, um, what a great time he's to be a mixed phenomenal. martial arts fan.
2: He's looking phenomenal, by the way. He is a true heavyweight right now. Like, seeing him last week, I was just like, holy smokes. Like, you've, you've never seen a John like that. And then to see the way he's training, like...
1: How big was it's he? It's
2: incredible. He's big.
1: Is he? Is he Is he he's still going is he, is he to be fast? Like, that's my question. If he moves up to heavyweight and, and occupies a heavyweight body is he still going to enjoy some of the speed and athleticism that he had at 205 pounds where you would think that he would want to utilize that against some of the more heavier, lumbering heavyweights?
2: I'll say this for me to be there and just to witness him training while he's not in camp, he looks great. He was moving. He was fast. He was explosive. He was still dynamic the way he's always been. Um, And in their training, he doesn't have a fight in front of them. Yeah. Set in stone. Does he?
1: No, I mean there, there's there's no, a lot okay. of talk, there's speculation, yeah. right?
2: There's talk, but nothing's really set in stone. And I mean, he looks great. He's training every day, and he's big as fuck.
1: And like you said, not in camp either. You know, he's like just he's big. He's just out there training. You know, and that that, that shows training. that shows me Pearl that he wants it. You know what I mean? And that's really what is exciting. If John Jones is is right. his ass that much when he doesn't have a fight, like. Who knows what's going to happen? One thing I do know, uh, he's, he's uh, you know his fight is going to be uh, put in the UFC Hall of Fame next week. His fight with uh, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, which is you know ah! definitely uh, a worthwhile uh, addition to the fight wing. But John, John's going to be a Hall of Famer as well in his own right. So uh,
2: absolutely.
1: I mean, now I just feel like we just talked our way into saying that John's the greatest of all time.
2: I mean, he's in his era. Absolutely. He is. And he's not, I don't even want to consider him the goat yet. Cause I, I do. Cause I, yes, he is the, the greatest GOAT. of all he's time. The greatest, yeah. But he's not done. He's not done yet. I know. So it's like, I don't even want to con- like have those talks because right. it makes it seem like he's not coming back, but he's not. But I mean, he, he is. It, he's coming back.
1: And, he, and here's the thing too. I don't think that John, like if John did lose at heavyweight, I don't think that it really negates anything that he did at light heavyweight. Like he would, he would really, cause like maybe I'm different. I know when athletes are past their prime and they go out there and they don't have the greatest uh, showings, people say, oh, you're harming your legacy. To me, I just washed that stuff out of my mind because what you did at the latter part of your career, when you weren't in your prime, really shouldn't take away who you were in your prime. Because that's sort of the, the narrative that we base, you know, everything on. How good were you when you were at your best? That's what you should be judged upon when it's like, uh, is BJ Penn the greatest lightweight of all time? A lot of people will say yes, but that doesn't mean that anything that BJ did in the last couple of years has anything to do with that discussion because that BJ Penn is much different than the BJ Penn that made the argument that he was the best in the world at 155.
2: Absolutely, I agree. And, And it is, it's different times and yeah.
1: I don't know. We could be here all day if we talk um, about the ghost. So we probably need to end this yeah, conversation. exactly. Okay. So have <laughs> if, if I uh, entertained you enough to yeah. talk, talk my way out of the knuckle sandwich? Uh,
2: no, because I, I still can't get over the intro. It doesn't even have a picture of me. It'll
1: picture. be, it'll be better next week. I promise it'll be good.
2: I hope so. How about a post fight? I mean, be better post fight.
1: Okay that's my promise It'll be better post fight Pearl
2: Alright deal I'll pull, I won't I will hand you a knuckles sandwich If it's better right post fight
1: Okay good um, I, I can't uh, satisfy your request Of changing the name of the show To the Pearl Gonzalez show I'm not going to do that It's still going to be extra rounds But I, I know if you had your way It would be the Pearl Gonzalez show
2: Yeah of course
1: Yeah extra rounds with Pearl uh, And oh by the way TJ's here too <laughs>
2: sounds so good
1: doesn't it 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 rolls off the tongue it's
2: it's, it's extra rounds with pearl and a side of tj right
1: exactly and just like tiny letters (laughs) like you can't even (laughs) see it in the logo it's just like yeah some other guy it's like a
2: side salad right like a side salad
1: yeah which i mean who doesn't like a good side salad
2: i love them i'm actually i need one now i'm hungry
1: all right i'll be your side salad
2: (laughs) yeah that's what i'm talking about
1: all right I'm going to let you get out of here. Uh, thanks for checking in. I know, you know, things are crazy for you living in Vegas, you know, in or out of a motor home. I don't know what the situation is, but I know it's not easy and uh, you're able to, to pull it off blast. once again. Yeah. I mean, you're always having a blast. Training.
2: Yeah, I really am. But, you know, I, I'm i loving Vegas right now. I really am. It, it's such a beautiful city some really cool people and hanging out, hanging around some really cool people. But the training has been amazing. I'm at, I don't even know the name of this gym, but it's a pretty famous gym that I'm training at. And you know, how do you, not you
1: know, know like the name of it?
2: Athletes. So it's, the, but how
1: do you, how do you not because know? I the,
2: just put the address in and okay. then I go to
1: it. I mean, is it syndicate? Is it it's extreme like couture? Like like
2: no, it's a boxing gym. It's an oh. old school boxing gym that kind of is open during these hours and different athletes, come in at different times with their own camps so cool it's so different and so like today we had i don't even know his name but he's a boxing champion that that lives here um he was there and it was like so cool to see that because he like came in and he lined up like 10 different sets and colors of gloves groin protector and shoes and he had his whole little setup here and it was a sparring day for him and so i believe after every round he was changing out his gear um i don't know if he's breaking them in or trying them out it was crazy it was, it was super cool and he's a well-known champion i just don't know his name
1: so can we expect that from you now wardrobe changes mid practice that would be badass yeah.
2: I, you know honestly for as fancy as i i uh, am outside of uh outside of training i'm actually like I go on, you should have seen, I was like a homeless person. I had an oversized icon t-shirt on and I just go in there and work. I don't really try to look cute. My hair is usually never combed. I just go in to get my work in and then I'm out of there.
1: I mean, that's, that's how it should be, right? Like you go to work. It's not, it's not a, it's not a yeah. fashion show when you go to work.
2: It should be, but I'm lazy in that aspect. So I just go in and do my job.
1: That's what get I out do. Of there. I mean, you know, uh, you, you can't just wake up every day and look like this. You know what I mean? This takes a lot of work.
2: That's, that's talent. Yeah. That's
1: talent, TJ. I'm just working with what God gave me. Literally.
2: That's you know, that's that's all. That's I, it. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Very talented.
1: Thanks, Pearl. Appreciate it.
2: Welcome. All you're right. welcome. We'll
1: see you uh Saturday night, right? Post-bye. Bye. All right, perfect.
2: Saturday night post-bye. I'll see you then. With
1: your name in the intro.
2: Um Pearl Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. We'll make it easier for you.
1: All right, perfect. All right, we'll talk to you uh soon, Saturday.
2: All right. There she Have is. Have a good day.
1: Pearl Gonzalez live from the fight capital of the world. You can check her out uh this Saturday night again uh, as we'll be live immediately following the UFC fight night card that pits uh Anthony Smith uh back in action. We'll see how he does uh, on Saturday. It's going to be a a very tough fight uh, for him. Uh, We'll see how he matches up against Ryan Span. It is number six versus number 11. It's going to be a lot of fun. Light heavyweights collide Saturday night in our main event. We are not done yet on this broadcast. I was joined by uh, Dallas Braden, who you may know as a. Uh, former pitcher in the uh, Oakland Athletics um, organization, he pitched a uh, perfect game, the 19th person to do so. And uh, he's got some Stockton roots. Uh, he's from the 209. And, uh, you know, it, it actually uh, he came on my radar because he almost got into a fight with Alex Rodriguez. I will talk to Dallas about that as well as the return Of Nick Diaz coming up next weekend At UFC 266 So stick around Dallas Braden is next It's extra rounds from UFC Fight Pass back here on extra rounds and my next guest uh, is someone i actually requested to be on my show uh, 11 years ago and it stems back to a uh it, it encounter with alex rodriguez uh i'm sure uh, my guest remembers that it is uh, former oakland a's pitcher uh, dallas braden uh, dallas i mean can we flash back to that uh, April afternoon uh, where, where Alex Rodriguez pissed you off? Because that was quite the experience.
0: Let's, let's jump in the hot tub time machine, man. Let's do it.
1: Like, okay, so there was a, a double play, I believe. And there was some question about you know, whether or not A-Rod like, crossed the mound going back to the, the, the dugout. What happened?
0: Yeah, so like uh so he was on first base, Robinson Cano was up, and um foul ball was hit, and A Rod had made it over to third base and foul ball, so he's running back to right. first base. And as he runs back, he runs over the mound. And it's not like he just this is what I want people to understand, all right? Yeah, it's not like he just ran over the mound, like he was just like on the edge of the dirt, one step, and that. That's not what, that's not what the scenario was. Right. I was legit like two and a half feet from the rubber, from the plate on the mound, the rubber mm-hmm. plate. Okay. And he ran in between myself and the rubber. So there's a chance he's running into, into my hole. Right. And he might be running into the other guy's hole. Like the bottom line is you're just not doing that. You know what right. I mean? You're not doing that to me right then and there. Uh, Cause on, on my start day. I feel like I'm Francis Ngannou walking through that door. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I'm, for not. Sure. I'm absolutely not, but I right. feel like that dude on my day. So I gotta I gotta take that kind of attitude out there. And that so that's how I was. I reacted and I asked him, you know, I, I know the I don't know if the F word street legal on here, but I said it is. I said, hey, I said, what what the it is or it isn't? It is. I said, what the fuck? Or you don't get the fuck off my mount. And he said, he just kind of looked at me, didn't say anything, and kept going to first base. And my first baseman told me later that, you know, he asked like, "Hey, what, what does that do? Is he talking to me? Is he saying?" And, wow. and Eric Barton, my first baseman, he was like, "No, that dude's a weirdo. He talks to himself <laughs> all the time. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't even worry about it." You know. So I didn't, I didn't know that until after that, which is true. There's no, there's right. no lies detected there. But um, then yeah, we get the double play as you mentioned, TJ, and that's when like the double play happens, and I'm just I'm walking that way out right. there you know say hey what the you know get the fuck off my mound right and he's looking to be like what and he just like you know just like swats me away with his hand like get out of here i ain't got time for you bro i don't even know who you are and and so i just repeated myself and then that's when the umpires and the manager comes out and grabs me and redirects me and blah, blah. you know so i was i was heated man i was pissed uh but <laughs> t- teach the worst part about this bro is running back into the dugout after it's all said and done i i I'm pissed, right? I kick the I kick the stack of Gatorade cups that are right there by the cooler. Boom! Gatorade cups fly off the back of the dugout and come flying right back at me and hit me right in the forehead. Oh no! <laughs> just, oh yeah, you got it. <laughs> I mean, the video's out there. It's, it's amazing. So yeah. like, it was like I went from being so pissed to just being like really what a what a clown right now right
1: right I mean that'll definitely uh, bring you back to reality when uh, you know you get a viral video essentially because you kick some Gatorade cuffs but you know that that's one thing that you know prompted me to try to get that interview back then was you know obviously you showed a, a fighting spirit uh, not afraid to you know defend your territory out there on the field and then you know I, I learned that you have some ties to Stockton and we all know the the 209 fighting spirit so I was hitting up a guy named Bob Rose. Like literally every month to try to get you on my radio show back then. And then you threw the perfect game and Bob's basically like, yeah, we're not going to even entertain Getting Dallas on your show, so finally I get you here. Eleven years later, and I'm happy to have you. Um, Like first off, let's let's go back to that Stockton connection, though Dallas, because you know I've seen it through the Diaz brothers, I've seen it through some of their training partners. Uh, When you hail from the 209, there seems to be a fire inside of you that you're not afraid from a challenge. And if anybody sort of you know puts you in a situation where it's it's fight or flight.
0: Uh people from Stockton they they always seem to pick that fight. Yeah, we don't have wings. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, um I, I, I always I, I jokingly say Stockton is one of the last places on earth where it's still uh the men that are made of iron and the ships that are made of wood. And and that's just a that that's a nod to to what you have to go through to get up in the morning and eat. You know what I mean? Sure. Like th- there's just a there's just a different way you have to go about it there. And it's very blue collar. And it, it does at times it feels like when you're picking yourself and the homies around you up, at times you have to step on others that are are roadblocks or clear others that are hurdles to get to where you need to be. And and that's I think that's the same for across the country, but Stockton just being what it was and, and what it is, frankly, in terms of of violent crime and, and poverty. Like there's just things that you wake up and that are a part of your daily life that might not be the same for other people that you're interacting with. And I don't want to say that gives you a leg up per se, but you're just, you're ready. And and like, I, and, and I've said this plenty of times, like you just don't have it in you to turn the other cheek when you feel like somebody is coming after something that that you're going after or that you already have. Mm. Like there's, there's not a let's talk this out kind of, kind of mentality you know and, and maybe that's to a detriment a lot of times because it's not about being the baddest it's just about letting you know like we'll establish that right. <laughs> you yeah know what yeah I mean? like w- whatever process it has to go through to have that established we will go through i'm not telling you i'm going to come out on the end of it but we'll dance for sure and and like i said that's not always a good thing sometimes that mentality works against you but i, I think for the most part it allows folks From the area, from the, from the neighborhood, I'll just say from the 209, because it's Stockton and it's other areas involved that, that just, yeah, you you had that fight in you
1: and i think that's half the battle for a lot of people like obviously not everyone wants it to come to blows every single time but when you know that's an option and you're not afraid of that option that gives you a a level of confidence that i think will will, you know carry over well to your position in in baseball like if you are not a confident guy out there on the mound you're going to find out that that day is not your day really quickly. So, you know, do you feel like that that Stockton roots, that that attitude, that, you know, swagger, if you will, helped
0: you when you were uh, playing Major League Baseball? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, TJ. There's no way that you can line up each and every day next to individuals that you know are bigger than you, faster than you, stronger than you, uh, just better than you, and feel like you can compete without, as you said, knowing that ultimately when it comes down to and when I say like when I say knuckling up and fighting in the right. baseball world, what I mean is do I have it in me to run one more sprint than that guy? do I have it in me to spend that extra hour in the film room longer than that guy because I don't have his fastball and I don't have his ability to squat 600 pounds. so I, I there's a lot of things I don't have, but there's still a lot of things that I can do. and at the end of it all, if it's just going to boil down to whether or not I'm willing to push myself and they're willing to push their self. Well, I have no problem betting on myself in that (laughs) regard. That's just like the street fight mentality. Like I'd love to work through this. We don't need to come to blows. Let's figure out a way that we can resolve this. But at the end of it all, if you think you're just going to slap somebody and walk away, like that ain't happening. Like, you know, So, so like, let's not even get there though. Like let's figure out a way, you know, to, to not have to get there. But to your point, when you're okay with it getting there well it does kind of give you the that that fighter's mentality to say hey whatever's coming our way we can weather that storm now were you uh you know someone that had that fighter
1: mentality like at a young age like in school were, were you mixing it up on the playground with other
0: kids uh, a, a little bit and it's it's I, I think that's just because um you know I, I played football at a young age right um, but but that helped me like I, I was never a, a bully cause I wasn't a big kid. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? I was five, nine, 140 pounds, my senior year of high school. Like I was wow. not a, a large human, like really at, most, at most
1: any- pro athletes aren't sporting that as their tail of the tape.
0: No. Right. You know what I mean? And so like with junior college, sure. I blossom, but I, again, that's just, I think being a little guy and playing football, you know, you're right. tackled by bigger kids and sure. you had weight weight limits and whatnot, but that, that, that doesn't matter when you're on the smaller end of that spectrum. So it was just a, you know, you're used to roughing it up. You're used to, you're used to just, I don't want to say boys being boys, but that's just kind of what it is. And, right? You know, how, how I grew up. Yeah. You chunk them on the playground and, uh, you know, I'll see you at recess and we're going to play some kickball and, and that's going to be that, that that's just, that's just how it goes. But yeah, I, I was somebody who the sport is what allowed me to channel that aggression. And and so while others these days have the mixed martial arts to be able to really dive into, which is an incredible outlet and such a positive channel, my aggression was channeled on the, on the baseball field, on the football field.
1: Right, I, I'm curious. I mean, it, it seems like your personality was a, a no brainer to be a fan of the sport of, of mixed martial arts. Take me back to that that moment that you found the UFC because I, I got to believe it was probably love at first sight for you, Dallas.
0: Oh, TJ, I, I this is my this is like for in a nutshell, give me the David and Goliath match. I've I've watched. Damn near every single UFC. The first time my grandma will tell you this story. Like I had like four or five of my little buddies around. I think we were like 12 or 13, however old I was UFC one drops. And it's Keith Hackney, Emmanuel Yarbrough. And it's the David Goliath match. Right. And like, I just, I'm like, are you, this is, this is incredible. Like they're going to let that dude in the cage with that dude. And that that dude wants to be in there. And like, he's going to do this again later this night. Like, right. Are you kidding me? And to watch Keith Hackney bludgeon Emmanuel Yarbrough. Well, I mean, the open hand palm strike. Like I just, I replay this. I swear, I like I replay this daily in my head because that is like, if you could put video to what goes through my mind when I wake up in the morning, it's all, it's that. It's that little guy against the behemoth that conceivably the tail of the tape tells you they have no shot. Right. Like this is an absolute sideshow that we're putting these two human beings in the same cage. And we're gonna allow this. Like this is sanctioned. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was kick ass. So from that moment, and then I mean, like Shamrock and Gracie, the incredible hookups there. Um, God, I uh just, just incredible, incredible athletic performances, like, but but it was raw, and it was something that wasn't, I don't want to say, muted with boxing gloves. Right. You know, like, this yep. This was, it was legitimately like, I don't know, it, man, I feel like those two dudes just got pulled out of a bathroom at a truck stop, and we're just going to let this unfold in yeah. an octagon, and everybody's yeah. cool with it.
1: I mean, that, that's the thing that was so great about the UFC and their tagline, like, it's as real as it gets. For all intents and purposes, yes. it's as real as, uh, you know, a combat sporting event can be. And, uh, you know, I like what you said. It's not muted with, with boxing gloves. Like it's not an agreement to just stand in front of each other and, and punch. Like if you got to take him down, take him down. And in, oh. in the case of Keith Hackney, if you got to punch him in the
0: balls, you punch him in the balls. Well, Hey, you do, you do what you got to do. Like I'm thinking of, uh, I'm trying to think of another fight. I don't know who he was fighting, but, uh, big daddy, Gary, uh, Goodridge, I think, um, whoever he had in the crucifix, Paul Herrera. Oh, poor Polly. Yeah, and it just stuff like that. Like I remember, I remember seeing that, and I thought to myself, like, that's the first time I've just watched a human die.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was it. Was visceral because we hadn't seen anything like that, literally, in combat no. sports or television or anything like that.
0: No, and it was raw right there. Like you're watching his head just jostle, right? With like. And, and you could see, you could see, uh, good, just like he like looks and he's like, should I give him a, yeah, I'll give him a couple more? Exactly. It's like, yeah, gotta I, make sure. Right. What, I, what are we here for?
1: I, I love that you're calling out, you know, old school fights too. You're not just talking about, you know, Conor McGregor, this, or Brock Lesnar, that like you, you're, you're going into the vault.
0: Dallas. Oh no, like, that's well, that's where like originally, again, you asked like what got me into it. And yeah. I was there day one. I was there day one. That's when you're amazing. Watching guys get in there with geese against guys that are wearing like right. one fucking boxing glove. Got yeah. you know, like, like just just all kind of randomness. And, and correct me if I'm wrong.
1: You're like 10 years old during this time, right? Like you're, yeah, you're a yeah, young kid. Yeah, for sure.
0: I'm just a little dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, like my mom and my grandma were like, "Yeah, I'm at it. Absolutely."
1: That's Take awesome. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the modern day uh, athlete. Nick Diaz is uh, coming back uh, next week, taking on Robbie Lawler. It's a oh. rematch that is fifteen some odd years uh, in the making. Obviously, you got those ties to Stockton. I gotta assume
0: that you're pulling for Nick Diaz. Come on, come on. You know it's two o nine all day, TJ. Let's. Roll 15 years 15 what 15 17 years or whatever yeah it something is. like that yeah i mean it's 2004 i think so you know my math tells me it was 17 years ago yeah i mean like you know what i think about when i think about that fight is if i remember correctly there uh, i mean nick obviously nick stopped him nick put him down yep hard right thanks for coming um but there was no there was no extra like he didn't finish him off right Right. Like and and so when I think about that, you think about a guy's gas tank or a guy's like punishment gas tank. And that that didn't get exposed. They didn't run into that early on. Meaning Robbie Lawler, I think, was in a position where if the if the referee doesn't step in in that fight, yeah, Nick Diaz has an opportunity to do some real damage. Oh, he hurts Robbie, yeah, um, for sure. Real damage. And we and you talk about two absolute lions at the time, just young hungry animals and things could have gone very differently. Mm -hmm. Very, very differently. If uh, I think if that thing is allowed to finish out and there's an exclamation point allowed to be put on that fight, but that's what for me, all this time I've been waiting for. Cause it wasn't definitive. uh, I believe it was a heart. I believe it was a right hand from, from Nate that, 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 put robbie down but like i said there was no stamp right. of like you know you know what's up here you yeah. know what's up yeah. you know so I'm, mean, looking it, forward, I'm looking forward to that plan
1: it, it was a knockout but there were still people saying like robbie could have fought through that or you know it wasn't where he lost consciousness oh, No, was, come on you no know. that's
0: my that's my whole point is robbie's yep. drinking soup through a straw for the next two months right, if right. he's allowed to take that beating and that didn't happen so it's almost like like because i do i wonder like does that turn nick into an even like a even more hungry and hostile animal because he's been allowed to to basically just spray the octagon with blood and does robbie Lawler like not come back a shade of who he is because he had that chunk of him taken out like you know what i mean
1: yeah and that's what makes this fight so interesting to me is when you look at, you know, what Robbie did after that, Robbie went on to Elite X Seed, became a middleweight champion there, uh, you know, became a UFC champion in the welterweight division. Oh, just a nightmare. Right. And and Nick had success as well, but Robbie had a lot more success than Nick did after that meeting. And and I guarantee you that there's some there's some part of Nick that wants to remind the world, look, I beat Robbie Lawler then and I can beat him now. And we're going to see this fight, honestly, is is the biggest fight of both of their careers at this point. And there's going to be a lot on the line coming up at at UFC 266. I cannot wait for it. It's, uh, you know, as real as it gets. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be are
0: are you going to be there? Can you can you make it out to Vegas? Are you going to come out? I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, because I do. I'm the color commentator for the A's. Right. So I am I'm calling baseball games uh, until October. So right. I do not have the freedom to move about the cabin, though I will absolutely be glued to my device. Believe that.
1: There you go. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Um, it, it, you know, that's a grind doing the whole, you know, color commentating thing with, with baseball. Like, did, did you immediately want to get involved in that when you were done playing to, just to be a part of the game? Like, was it hard to sort of think of life, you know, not being an active player?
0: Um, No, honestly, dude, like I was I was sitting on my fishing boat. And my agent called me one morning and was like, Hey, uh, you want to go to ESPN and audition? And I was like, uh, for what? Right. He was like, you know, you played baseball to do the baseball thing. Cause they've got sports and stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll go, I'll go out there. And, you know, so long story short there, things worked out. I was able to get my feet wet there at ESPN for four years or so. And then. Um, the A's came calling and I had an incredible opportunity to, to start to work in the booth at an extensive level and, and work with, like, anytime you get a chance to work with a guy like Ray Fossey as a color commentator who uh, is, is a, a Hall of Fame Oakland A, Hall yeah. of Famer in my heart, and uh, a guy like Glenn Kuyper, just legends in the game in our area, I had to jump at that opportunity. So I did that, but realistically... No, man, it wasn't something initially that I was like, got to do that. That's absolutely the route I have to go. Um, you know, I was trying to make my peace with the the death I had to die as an athlete to become whoever I was going to become after the fact. So right. I was still kind of, you know, I was still shedding that skin. Yeah. Uh, but the opportunity for for the game of baseball to continue to reach out to me, like, you don't slap that hand away. I'm sorry. That's just how I look at
1: it. So. Right yeah and I, I mean i love baseball and, and commentary uh in baseball is so important when like when i was growing up i you know i grew up in minneapolis i was a twins fan like baseball wasn't on television so i listened on the radio constantly yeah and uh you know there's something special uh to sort of see you know players like yourself spread your wings as a broadcaster and you know you're honest with things and that's one thing that i, I wanted to highlight here you have a podcast the starting nine uh from from barstool sports it's uh you know the talk of, of baseball on there, but not sugar coated. It's it's a it's a lot. Like I don't want to say like it's it's low brow because it's not, but it's real. You know what I mean? Like it's not as, as polished as maybe say what you get on you know Baseball Tonight on ESPN, which is something that I think people want. They want real conversations, and, and that's exactly what you do on the Starting Nine.
0: Well, the idea is the the idea is you can go wherever you want to go to get whatever information you're after and you can get it from whoever it really is that you want to get it from. And with that being said, it's no longer about having to reach X standard of what's being set by individuals on television. That's right. just that's just not how this goes any longer. Nope. And so, like, I just, I kind of call it baseball with the F word right. because it, it legitimately is. And it's everything that Barstool stands for. It's yep. baseball... And any sport or any topic that you'd be talking about with your friends, the guys, the girls sitting on a bar stool, yep. right? Like that's, that's what it is. And so having to – or having the ability to leverage the relationships we have with the players that we have, teammates of mine, former teammates of mine, uh, guys that we've formed relationships with early on in their career who are killing it in the game and have personalities that fans gravitate towards – That's, for me, what our job is, is to show fans who might not even be too interested in baseball that, hey, these dudes have pretty cool personalities. And if it's the personality that lures you in to watching a couple at-bats of theirs, and now now you're a fan because you were watching the game and you saw this dude come in who was throwing all crazy and looked weird, like it was the first time you saw somebody throw 100 miles an hour or hit a ball 500 feet, like that's what happens. And if it's all brought to you, by a couple guys who are just shooting the shit and being real with you about the game, the way we see it, the way I lived it as a former player, who, um, and, and this is where like I think I I'm in a unique position because I'm not a Hall of Famer, right? Like I'm not I'm, I can relate to how bad it feels to be terrible at something. All right, sure. and sure I was maybe a little better than a lot of folks at what I did, right? And, but that didn't mean I was the best. That didn't. So I I know what that we can level with each other, man. I know what it's like to suck. And yeah. I know what it's like to have people around you go, I wish he didn't suck as bad as he did. So we would be so much better than we are. Like I, I, I completely get all that. So it's baseball through multiple lenses that you might not be getting from a, from a television show.
1: And that's what I like because, you know, I'm not a big fan of the idea of uh, a podcast uh, by fans for fans, because I want an expert. That's what you are. You're an expert, but I want you to speak to me like a fan because that's how i talk and that's something that i think is is really important and that's what you're doing on uh on the starting nine with uh your your co-host uh jared i don't know how to say jared's is it Caribus?
0: yeah <laughs> it's See, not Caribus, is, is it you. it's it's not Caribus. uh Caribus. Caribas. um no it's jared caribis no it's not caribis Kar- either it's jared carabas no? carabas Carabas. Okay. damn yes. it
1: you know, I, I I like I take pride in my ability to say names correctly, but I I, I definitely struck out on that one.
0: Karibus is so much better. Karibus is a favorite, but uh, Karabus is his given name. Uh, but I'm rolling with Karibus from here on out.
1: Why not? I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if if I butchered it and inspired you to run with that, like I'm gonna I'm gonna feel good about myself, Dallas. So
0: <laughs> you should you should. Yeah, but we have we have a ton of fun. He's a Red Sox guy, so it's cool because we have a blend of his. East Coast, uh, what we'll call <clears throat> unbiased baseball journalistic point of view. Right. Uh, and, and you have me over here on the West Coast where people forget that we actually still play baseball. So it's, it's a blend of the two because I'm up all night. He's up all night. We're both watching baseball. We both love the game more than anything else. So it's a, it's a good mix of two dudes who have nothing better to do than watch baseball.
1: Yeah, and I love the uh, the A's as an organization. You know, a lot of history there. I, you know, maybe I'm uh, an oddball here, but I love the ballpark. I love all the foul territory. I love the fact that the game can kind of breathe there. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know fun things to uh, sort of point to as the, the the franchise, the Oakland Athletics. Like I, I just I, I like the team, man. I like I said, I'm a Twins fan, but uh, I'm, I'm never mad at watching an A's game.
0: No, the A's are, they're so fun to watch. It's been an organization that has been so incredibly gracious to me uh, from allowing a dream to be realized to allowing me to be a part of the family in a different facet. But what you get when you go to an A's game is a ton of passion from what I have no problem calling a vocal minority because there's not a ton of them, but they are absolutely maniacal. They love their A's as much as a fish loves water. And they need their A's like a fish needs water. And so when you show up to the Coliseum, we got a place out in left field, TJ, called the Treehouse, and that place is bumping it quite literally on Friday nights and some other special event nights. You have a concert going on up there, live music, DJ spinning, and you have a baseball game that's unfolding in the background. Like that's the kind of atmosphere. We got drums, vuvuzelas, horns, like right. tambourine man, the guy who invented the wave, Crazy George. He shows like it's just. It's, That's a blast. It's That's a fun time. Yeah, it's madness.
1: And I think a lot of that is sort of lost at the major league level. Like a, a lot of what you just said, you can find, you know, uh, you know, plentiful in, in the minors, you know, that sort of experience. But some of it gets lost at the major league level. But uh, the A's are doing it right.
0: Yes, yes, we try, they, they try very hard as a front office. We try very hard just as an organization and as a, as a network trying to bring baseball to the fans the way uh, they bring their passion for the organization.
1: Dallas, I appreciate your time. We're gonna to have to have you back. I mean, obviously, you you can you can talk forever. You're you're a pro broadcaster. We we talked a little bit about mixed martial arts, but man, I'd love to have you back on. Maybe we can break down some more fights and uh, kind of get into it beyond uh, this this introduction uh, where I've interviewed you. I, again, I've I've been trying to set this up for 11 years, so it's oh, honestly a, a pleasure uh, for me to finally get you on the horn here.
0: Well, dude, if I'd have known that you were knocking on the door 11 years ago, it would not have taken this long, my brother. I promise you that. We can absolutely reconvene. Thank you for the invitation, actually, to come back on and celebrate Nick Diaz's victory 17 years down the line after a very what was, I'm sure, going to be an emotional and really a try-hard effort from Robbie Lawler. Hang him in there, Raleigh. Uh, maybe, Maybe next time.
1: All right, well, uh, you've already shot your shot there with the prediction. We'll see what happens coming up at UFC 266. Dallas, appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon.
0: All right, thanks, DJ Thanks for having me, bud. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to
1: podcasts.